Media at SAFM with Ashraf Garda. Exploring every media platform and industry. Only on 104 to 107. So, Sunday morning it is. Your two-hour masterclass in marketing, branding, advertising, PR is what we do right now. My name is Ashraf Garda. Thank you for being a part of the show. Just by listening, you already are. Uh, and, and I can tell you that it's crazy the amount of times I just come off the show on a Sunday and I bump into people in my local supermarket and they're like, I've heard it now and I've heard this and I've made notes. And not people directly involved in the advertising and marketing industry or, or media industry these are just people who are doing other things in their lives and they are learning so much so maybe the same message to you as well tell others as well whatever you do there are some important um, life lessons you can apply in your own businesses or in your own practices just by tuning into the show right to move from just listener passively to engaging on air 0891104207 if you are tweeting then do use hashtag uh, media show it's important you do that's so where we pick up a trend of discussion all throughout the show uh, and then you can tweet to both, in fact, me at Ashraf Garda as well as to SAFM Radio. Looking forward to getting your connections. And as for always, if you uh, tweet quotes, that's just great. But um, if you also want to add your own opinions and uh, further links on the discussions we're having, that's also absolutely fantastic. Lots to come, including chatting later on to uh, Fidel Hafiji about uh, how mainstream media should fight this, the rise of fake news, of course, she herself a victim of that directly, but it's not just about her, it's about a lot more than that. However, when it comes to advertising and marketing, uh, the, the one issue has always been this relationship between the, the agency on the one hand, uh, which does the work, the creative agency that creates many of the adverts and campaigns that we talk about on the show every Sunday, and certainly the brand the brand that actually owns the product. So, for example, if it is Simba, we'll talk about Simba later on. That's the brand and then the agency. And there's a sense amongst many people, I've been picking up this for well over a year, that there needs to be a major rethink. So here's the question. Should the that relationship between agency and client be renegotiated? You, in fact, can vote right away. There's a tweet poll on right now, Media Show. Check it out in my timeline. You'll find it. Yes, no, or a maybe is one of the options you have. You can also SMS 34701. Should that relationship between agency and client be renegotiated. Well, Gordon Muller is with us. Um, he is an independent media consultant. He's going to help us understand which way we should vote, I suppose. Gordon, good chatting to you. Hi. Good morning, Ashra. Good, good to be back on your show. Thank you. So should that uh, should the agency-client relationship be renegotiated? Well, I think if you look at trends around the world, it's already been uh, renegotiated. But the question is, you know who who does the renegotiating? You know if 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 you were talking about a marriage, mm. when a husband and a wife renegotiate the relationship, that's part of the normal process. But when you have to bring in an external consultant to do that negotiation for you, then I think you've crossed some sort of um, some sort of barrier, and I think that's the problem. We've got too many external people interfering in what should be a spontaneous and intimate relationship between an advertiser and their agency. So so typically, what, what then has been the relationship? And of course, we can't paint everybody with the same brush, but by and large, in 90% of these contractual obligations or relationships they have, how does it work? You know, who, who does what? Well, look, yeah, there's no one answer to that. I mean, if you go back to, you know, the, the, the era of the madman, you know, with the TV series, it was very close to, to the reality of it all. It was a very intimate relationship. Marketers shared facts and information about the reality of their brands with agencies that they would never share with any other business partner. And you acted with that trust and that sense of responsibility. I mean, the agencies, mm, mm, 
viewed themselves as brand custodians. That was a was a phrase which was was very much the mantra at that point in time. So I was the brand custodian. I had to look after the brand. But what's happened now is that that relationship has become, as you said, contractual, and contractual against, I believe, the wrong criteria. That uh, procurement has become involved in, in, in the process to a much greater degree. So if I am buying media space, mm. who do I please? The marketer with whom I'm having a, a, a qualitative, intimate discussion or procurement who just wants the, the cheapest possible price? Now, I'm not saying quality and price or good pricing are, are mutually exclusive, but by and large, you tend to trade off one against the other. And we've swung too much into the area of procurement. We're just buying cheap media space, um, which is not necessarily effective. That's what's being made evident right across the world. If you look at some of the reports coming out of America, the K2 report, where the uh, not only the efficacy of communication, but just the, the baseline value of the contribution is, is in question. Because if, if I go back, you know, and perhaps just a quick recap in terms of, in a typical scenario, what would that relationship between the brand and then the creative agency and then certainly others who are media buyers on yeah. behalf of them, what would they be doing to, without going into too much detail? Well, look, what you should be doing, obviously, is working very intimately with a client on any given brand. But one of the problems we face in an increasingly isolated market, which South Africa is, you have global downloads that half the creative work, if not more than half, is just being implemented by the local agency. And now whether you have cultural nuance that's effective or not, you're just going to implement the thing. So a lot of the creative work, other than locally based clients, is not even being done by the local agency. It's just being implemented. And you see that being played out, for instance, in the complete underinvestment in vernacular language in this country. If I'm in inheriting an American mm. commercial, you know, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll change the American voiceover and make it you know, South African English voiceover. But no one's addressing the issue of local cultural nuance, either in the model selection, even the concepts, but certainly not language. And so we just default to this, the bog-standard 30-second English TV commercial, which is insane. And similarly, that moves across into the media space. I can tell you right now that 90% of the TV commercials that ran in this country in this past week were planned by people who've never even seen the commercials. You know, we just so working how, with how does that, um, so that's so we're talking about two different things. So you're talking about the brand, right? Which, Correct. Which, which is the custodian. That's great. Then they they would enlist a creative agency to produce ads on their behalf, or just right? interpret an international Fine. ad, right? Modify, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then of course you would they would then enlist a, a media buyer, media planner to assist them in terms of where they should place those ads. And they're not the same. That's not the same as the agency. We used to be right. in one agency together. We used to live together. We used to work together. We used to play together. And now, very often, the creative agency and the media agency are not in the same building. They're not even in the same company. And half the time, they're not even in the same town. And you can't, with all due respect, to have that uh, level of integration unless there's more, uh, more engagement. But if I'm being driven by a contract where I have no mm. potential upside in being involved in the creative process as a media guy, why would I get involved? And similarly, the creative agency, if they don't have an upside in being involved in the media process, why would they bother? So you know, we, we're just not meeting each other in the middle because that middle potential shared ground, potential shared revenue is being strangled by procurement. Okay, so we are talking about whether the client agency 
relationship. So client is the brand, whether that agency relationship needs to be renegotiated. Chatting to Gordon Muller about it. In fact, Gordon's already saying that it's being already negotiated or renegotiated in some parts of the world or to some extent which suggests that if it needs to be renegotiated, there's something wrong, isn't it? Perhaps we'll, we'll touch on what's the wrong in the moment. But I want to pick up on that point that you just said about about most of the adverts in the last year in South Africa are, are placed by media media buyers, media planners who haven't even seen the adverts. Why would that even be allowed? Well, we're just working with research. We're working with numbers. So I will inherit a target market, young, female, single mum, whatever the target market is. I have a set of data. I marry these two things together. Um, and if I'm just buying volume of exposure, then I don't particularly need to do it. I just need to buy the cheapest play against that, that target market. But if we shift as we should be doing, um, and the world is demanding that we do it into the area of return on investment, then I really need to know the nuance of what I'm planning. I need to know that this commercial does X, mm-hmm. says X, and if I put it on in some weird time of the day or time of the night, which isn't cost efficient but might be massively uh, – effective then i need to do that but if i'm being penalized because that purchase on the computer looks expensive then i then i'm going backwards you have to release you have to get back to the realization that what you want is consumer response it's not about buying audiences it's about getting a response in the marketplace absolutely what 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 then about the the deliverables from from the agency the creative side to uh, to client, uh, your thoughts in terms of what have they been doing? Are, are they are they working at optimum capacity? Or, I, I think or they're not? working with you know one hand tied behind the back because they don't have the freedom to interpret or, or create enough local material. And I think one of the the biggest problems, and that's been since the creation of advertising, is that there's not enough investment in production. For every commercial that's being made in this country, we should be making two or three. And particularly with digital media, because now you have a long tail of the nth mm, degree mm, of application. Mm. It's not enough to have one ad being played out to a million individuals on a TV station. It's even worse to have one ad to be played out to a mid- million individuals, each of whom is answering to a different stream of digital information on their own personal mobile device wasn't right in the past. It's not right now. It's even, it's even more complicated now. Yeah. By the way, if you have any views on this, feel free to uh, tweet me. Tweet using hashtag afternoon, uh, right, sorry, media show. Getting my days mixed up here. Um, yeah, and then there's also there's a vote line, which is early days, but at the moment 50% saying, yes, it needs to be renegotiated. You can SMS me 34701 to call in 0891 Chatting to Gordon Muller about does the client agency relationship need, uh, uh, need to be renegotiated so you're saying some people are already doing so they're already renegotiating what are what are they renegotiating well if you look at the terms for instance that mcdonald's applied um, last year when they they um, realigned their their advertising globally was against the most remarkable or the media anyway against the most remarkable formula where payment other than the hard cost of media would be restricted exclusively to an outcome, an advertising outcome. In other words, it's 100%. So no, no retainer. No retainers, no nothing. Just 100% based on the outcome. Now, that's bold. Uh, but that's, you know, we, there has to be a move in that direction. Okay, so let, let's confirm. Is the, is the, by and large, is the industry norm, now we're talking about the creative mm. side, is the in- industry norm based on retainer and not linked to outcome? Generally, it, it's it's becoming increasingly a shared experience. So a retainer up to a point, and then you know uh, an upside outcome. But 
you also have to look at the retainer. Perhaps you, you're asking the wrong person you know, this morning whether we should be renegotiating relationships. Perhaps you should ask the many, many media people who've just been laid off in the past month or two whether, what they think about renegotiating relationships because you can have a retainer, but if that retainer is not viable to, to sustain talent, grow talent, etc., then, then you're no better off. We're just going to it'd be going to be in a race to the bottom. And that's one of our big challenges. We need to access talent, we need to train talent, and we need to retain talent, not just in a company, but within this industry. We're hemorrhaging talent all over the place because mm. the margins are so small. We can't actually give them uh, enough of a platform to, to view advertising as a career. We're training people now at a rate which is unprecedented. You're training too many, that means. We're, no, we're churning. We're churning, we're churning. Okay, we're churning too All many. Right. We're not training enough because you know, the margins aren't there to, to actually invest in people. And then you have another problem, which I think is you know, coming back to the area of intimacy um, between a, a, brand, a, a branded product and, and an agency. It takes two to three years you know, to, to get to know a brand. Now, these days, after three years, procurement is saying, okay, we have to move the account. That's insane. You can't do that. You're only beginning to produce subtle work, innovative, nuanced work after two to three years. I think, I think key to that is, you know, whether it's a creative side or from the media planning or media buying side, do, do they give the client that added value that the client can't do themselves, but by and large? Yes, I think, I think most agencies still have that commitment to excellence. They want to push back. But pushing back is, is a function, again, of the amount of time I have and the amount of latitude I have. You know, if you have tasked me, my KPIs are all based on, on cheap media exposure, I'm talking media specifically, mm, mm, mm. then why would I push back on anything else other than the KPI? I'd rather be pushing the media. So I've got two spare hours in a day. Would I push it, you know, the client, or would I push the media? And I'll push the media on it because the bigger the discount, the better I look. We have to get the discussion back on track and one of the key things we need to recognize is, and you mentioned it in the, in the intro to the show, fake news, alternative facts, mm, fake mm. advertising. The, the recent you know, Black Friday events, I think, have been really interesting. In the UK, which report identified that 50%, 50% of all retail ads on Black Friday in the UK were fake? Really? 50, five okay. naught. Wow. So, you know, David Ogilvy... Fake by, by who? I mean, created by who? Created by... Well, we don't know if it was the avatars or the agency, but what they were faking was the before, or, you know, the was price, was 100, whatever the case okay. may be. Okay, now, now 20 rands or whatever. Now, whatever. And David Ogilvy said it 50 years ago, yeah. the consumer's no fool, she's your wife. We need to spend more time rebuilding the trust. I, you know, I, what is the point of flighting an ad that nobody trusts a hundred times? I'd rather flight one ad that somebody trusts once. Fewer people, more <laughs> trust. You know, we're just, we're just creating numbers for the sake of creating numbers to keep procurement happy. So, so that point you said that some people are already negotiating or renegotiating. Uh, you gave the, the McDonald's example. You also tweeted about uh, Procter & Gamble. Tell, tell me what, what's happened there. Well, Procter & Gamble, I think, you know, it's been a, a very interesting year. And I use the word interesting in inverted commas because your listeners can't see my fingers making inverted <laughs> commas. But yeah. we had two very, very interesting reports that came out of North America last year. The K2 report made it clear that, and I'm 
paraphrasing if not quoting, the vast majority of media transactions lacked transparency. Okay, so we have this um, complete lack of transparency in, in the media exchange. Now, that has come about by the need to produce massive audiences at a cheaper price. So what's happening is people are going out, you've got bots, you've got you know programmatic buying, buying audiences which are complete load of nonsense, but they're on a computer and they, and they reflect a discount and therefore you've hit target. And uh, I think what, what's happened with P&G is they've just said, and you saw the phrasing there, it's not the kind of phrasing you would normally go on a global mm, platform mm, and mm, talk about mm. one of your supplier partners. They've had enough of it. It's very, very simple. I mean, whilst the world was growing nicely, everybody was buying stuff until 2008, all brands were winning to a greater or lesser degree. But in 2008, the world ground to a halt, and suddenly, you know, I'm running a campaign which may or may not get a result. In fact, it's worse than that. I could be running a, a, a campaign for Ford, positive messaging. Mm. I could spend a million bucks right now on Ford, but if that million bucks in advertising is being counteracted by five million bucks of social media pressure, which is negatively framed, my brand will go backwards, not forwards. If, if you raised, I mean, we had the example of my ANC, I think in December, where it sounds pretty obvious. Mm. Let's just talk about, and let's celebrate how good the party is. But there was a pushback beyond what they may have spent on their social media, which was actually very, very negative. That's the point. So I can't guarantee, in, in the old days, you know, you could, more or less guarantee a, a, an outcome, a positive outcome of some degree or other. But now you can't. Um, your brand, you can spend an, a vast amount of money and go backwards as a brand. And we need to work and understand those dynamics. And the starting place for me would be to understand what do consumers believe about advertising these days? How do they respond to it? How do they perceive commercial messaging? And, and that's, that's the mm -hmm. real challenge. Well, we're talking about this because there's a sense amongst many people that this relationship between the client or the brand and the agency that as they work in terms of creating advertising or campaigns and also placing the, the ads in, into certain media spaces, there's a sense amongst many people that it's actually broken. Um, you have your own thoughts on that. And that's what we're talking about. Gordon Muller with me. I was an independent media analyst commenting on this very issue. Sandra Kirosh, of course, was involved in many aspects of media in, in this country. She messaged yesterday saying, why, why, what is stopping all this happening, happening in-house? So the brand, which is big enough then to create an in-house agency, that does its work. Why can't that happen? Well, what you are to, seeing... To the, and many of the others externals are cringing as I asked that question, but why can't it happen? Well, it is happening, and you are seeing globally the, the, the regeneration of the media manager. So 40 mm. years ago, the media manager was a very powerful person. Then the media manager kind of disappeared. Now you're seeing media managers, uh, media managers re-emerging. But at the end of the day, um, it, it's a skills shortage. It's all very well saying set up. But why can't you set up? Because skills are in short supply. So I think also what a lot of clients don't realize are the invisible costs, mm -hmm. the cost of data, the cost of software to run data. There are massive costs involved in that. And we've seen now with the demise of AMPS, I don't want to mix mm -hmm. uh, my, our topics of discussion here, but we're going to move into a phase in the industry fairly shortly where there'll be no branded information available. Marketers have been talking about this for two years are only now beginning to wake up to the costs involved in this thing and the desperate need to actually uh, create branded information for planners to use. So there's a cost and there's a skills issue here. We don't, we have barely got the skills to run media agencies, let alone provide 
in-house media facilities. But but the in-house would mean that you know the brands would be bringing something in-house which is not the core business, right? H- has it been done before? I mean, oh to, yes, to, to the no, point where have. it's it's worked. The, the, their brands, their top blue chip brands right now, which have got in-house things. Some of the retailers have in-house, but completely. Yeah, absolutely. But do you know any names of it? Yeah, I, I, I don't. I'm not involved with them, so I don't want to mm. comment on that. But I do know names, and I do know brands that do it. But your problem is this: you raised earlier the issue of pushback. I mean, one of the values of being an external person is you can push back, you can comment honestly, openly honest and honestly. Mm. But how far can you push back your boss? I mean, maybe you, it just doesn't work that way. So, if you are implementing, I would say, some sort of global platform, and everything's under control, and you have formulas. And many top brands do that. I mean, I had the pleasure of working on Procter and Gamble, mm. talking about them in the past, and they have a fantastic library of learnings. They know what's worked for them, what doesn't work for them, and as a planner, that you have access to that, you can look at it, you can analyze it. So, there's a case where an internal operation, I think, would work because you've got this incredible history of learning. But if you don't have that, on what basis would I would I act? I mean, I'd have to push back. Um, to, to my boss, and as I say, if he doesn't like what I'm saying, mm-hmm. I'm going to get fired. So I'm just going to soften the whole because, thing. Because I mean, even now with, with an external, you know, marketing campaign being put together, the link would still be somebody internal within within the brand, right? Within the, with the for the for the client. So, so would that person then, let's call it the, the media, the brand manager internally, would that person then gravitate to having a more cozy relationship with the agency, or or with his or her accountant or CEO who? clearly knows nothing but actually that's the person they would serve well i think there's your there's your challenge again talking about some of the reports that came out of uh out of the u.s last year a staggering figure something like 65 percent of global cfos don't view marketing as contributing to their business they view it as as a cost rather than as a catalyst that is a dreadful indictment of what we've done to ourselves why why do you think that's the case i've said it on a few functions and platforms where I've emceed or spoke to say, well, if that's the case, then marketing needs to market itself. Absolutely. And that's why it, it's, it's, it's so crucial that the industry get behind bodies like the Marketing Association, the SA, and people like Greg Arden, who's reinvesting time back in. It has to work. We, we have to feed off each other. It's a mm. symbiotic relationship. We need great creative agencies, great media agencies, and great clients. We have to trust each other and work together. Right now, you've used the phrase industry several times this morning. I don't even know that there's an industry anymore. All I'm seeing is a bunch of warring companies fighting with each other over money. It's, it's, it's highly questionable to me whether the, the concept, maybe one or two mm, exceptions. Mm, mm. We've got the ACA, and yes, it's a platform for cooperation. But that cooperation grinds to a halt uh, you know, when you're in the trenches. And all I'm seeing is a whole bunch of people undercutting on price in a desperate effort to get business. Which means I've, if I'm not making money on the business I'm working on, I have to be making it somewhere else. That's the function of the mm, K2 mm. report. That's the, the, the biggest indictment of the media buying industry came out last year from the World Federation of Advertisers, who produced, I think, the most devastating graph I've ever seen in my entire life. I'm absolutely horrified by it. It has a vertical axis, which is the amount of money, Okay, and then it has a horizontal axis, which is how easy this is to do. Mm. Now, hard to do, but with an awful lot of uh, money is organized crime. So visualize that on an axis, organized crime, hard to do, but with an awful lot of money. On the same graph, you've got ad fraud or media buying 
worth the same amount as organized crime, but easier to do. So somewhere, the World Federation of Advertisers, which is 80% of global ad spend, has put me as a media buyer and the job I do, and I've done for 40 years, on a graph which has juxtaposed me against organized crime. Now, how they did that is interesting, but the mere fact that somebody even thought about doing it in the first place is staggering. Somebody put me on a graph with organized crime. Yeah, wow, frightening. Okay, we've got about a minute or so to go, Gordon. Let's then wrap up with with, with this year. At the moment, is the the client in charge and therefore demanding uh, to pay less for, for great service, or are the agencies holding the power and therefore being able to up their, their fees because they know their campaigns are so critical to, to the annual bottom line of the, of the client, notwithstanding the CFO not listening to this discussion. You're a marketing man. Does <laughs> Hussein Bolt hold the power, or does the guy with the gun you know, who, who, who shoots mm, you know, mm, the start mm, for, mm. for the 100 meters? Top agencies have got top talent, and you can, you can go through the top half a dozen agencies, and each one of them will have at least one individual who is an outstanding thinker, but an outstanding thinker beyond just the making of ads. So top agencies have got top people, but that doesn't filter down. What we need is more people. We need The big challenge for me, the first step in the renegotiation is building trust with consumers. The parallel step is getting more talent into the industry, training that talent, keeping that talent. It's not something we can turn around overnight, but it is definitely something we can turn around. Lastly, do you think there is this trust deficit? There's a massive trust deficit. There's a trust deficit between um, agencies and and clients. There's a trust deficit between clients and agencies. There's a trust deficit between consumers and advertising. We have got ourselves in the right muddle. And what I would really, really like to see is some sort of indaba, lechotla, where everybody gets together. Put down your traditional weapons. Let's get together because otherwise the milking cow is going to dry up. (laughs) And having said that as, as a last thought then, I mean, in the South African context, I'm in a position where, where the top brands can say that actually we've done what we've done over five years, thank goodness, because of our, our creative partner. Are they able to say that? There are some, and I think you know, they will probably be you know, the, the minority, not the majority. You know, to my mind, there are three outcomes to, to any advertising campaign. It worked, it didn't work, and I don't know. 90% of people or advertisers do not know if their campaigns are working. Frightening. Okay, Lakhotla, put down your traditional weapons. We'll maybe come up, Gordon Muller. Thanks for setting it all up for us. By the way, if there's any further thoughts you have, repeating what you've just said uh, and even additional stuff, just tweet me uh, in the course of the morning. I'll certainly retweet it. Just use hashtag media show. All right, there we are. Well, there you are. Important thought leader discussion on that relationship between the agency and the client. Uh, should it be renegotiated? We've touched on a couple of things that it needs to be renegotiated about. Uh, you have maybe further thoughts about how it should be renegotiated. Perhaps we'll do a sequel on that some, some other time. There's important issues around uh, things to talk about, including Avatar and MMC Sachi Abel coming together in some way or the other. Ogilv winning the advertiser account. We'll talk about all of that and more right after this. <laughs> You're tuned to SAFM 104 to 107. You can also catch us on the DSTV audio bouquet on channel 814 as well as online at safm.co.za. Fatigue is a silent killer. A tired driver is a danger on the road. Rest every two hours. Arrive alive.